It's our wrap of the top business stories on this Thursday, and I'm joined on the line by uh, Makwe Masilela, uh, who is the founder and chief investment officer at Makwe Fund Managers, and he joins me now on the line. Makwe, who's that, bro, and me? Sweet no Ah, sweet no smogo, papa. Let's let's maybe start off here, Makwe, uh, with the big story of the day. I mean, I mean, all of us know that that was, uh, you know, Lesetja Khanyako in his study uh, today announcing a half a percentage point reduction in the repo rate and really uh, placing it at historic levels. I mean, we haven't seen something like this since 1998 when this measure was introduced, but uh, it also speaks volumes about how uh, generation defining this moment of COVID-19 is. It is, you know, and it speaks volumes, you know. And anyway, we've not seen those uh, levels of interest rates as much as we've not seen this current crisis, you know, in our life that we get the global economies all locking down unless it is a whole. But yes, it makes sense that people have to take extraordinary actions. But anyway, Ayabonga, I think that us within the market expectations of getting at least a, a 50 basis points cut, even though you had those who were a little bit optimistic, expecting a 1% drop. But it just tells you that central governments, and not only South African central government, they just also have to do their part to make sure that they lessen the blow. And I think we need to emphasize that, that all these measures, including the physical ones, that physical measures that we've seen coming out of government, does not mean economies are not going to suffer, but they will just at least, you know, lessen that blow. And I think to speak up to the Reserve Bank, we know our Reserve Bank is one of those, you know, that has been taking forever, or maybe one can simply tell it that they happen to be just behind the curve most of the time. But this time around, I think the guys they are on the post. Mm, mm. Could they have done more, Mark? Or could they or should, it, should they have done more? I think so far so good because if you really work it out, you know, already we are talking how many percent, 2.75, I mean, since the beginning of the year. And remember, we still have to give these policies some time to work their way into the real economy. And that's only when you can see the real results. And here you are taking to see the results in the next coming three, from three months at least going forward. So I think that the, uh, uh, the measures that have been taken so far in terms of cutting interest rates, maybe let's give it some time to see if they work, but also at the same time, also giving those fiscal measures as well some time to work into the real economy because it's not just going to help just to keep on cutting, cutting without even starting to see the results, but we know for a fact that the results will be there because all it means, businesses will start paying less when it comes to their debt, mm. overdraft, whatever it is, and they can use that uh, saving either to continue to pay rent or to continue to pay their employees or maybe to continue even to build on their balance sheet. Same applies to households. We expect to that after repaying that particular debt and you are left with some money to start spending that money into the real economy because for the economy to grow, we need to spend the money or maybe to use that to try to repay your debt mm. more quickly, which is a wise thing, you know, because people maybe if they can, those who can afford, you just have to continue paying what you've been paying, then you'll reduce the term on your, or, or, or what do you call it, uh, on your debt, because I promise you, the minute you start seeing some recovery, these central banks won't hesitate to start trying to readjust those interest rates. But yeah, I think, yeah, we'll always have cases of yeah, the guys could have done much better. Mm. But I, for one, I think they're on the safe side. And let's give the existing policy sometimes to work themselves into the real economy and see the real effect.
Makwe, let's talk just quickly, I mean, about inflation, because we, we do know that uh, a big driver of the decision on how to use uh, interest rates as an instrument of monetary policy has to do with um, you know one's reading of inflationary expectations and I guess uh, what is then fed into that quarterly projection model that uh, Lesetja Chanyacho was telling us about. I mean, uh, let's talk about that for a second. You, you know, you've got oil prices hovering beneath $40 a barrel. Uh, you, you have what some people are even suggesting might be you know, a, a deflationary environment, uh, which uh, might also be a cause for concern. Uh, you know, does that give the Monetary Policy Committee, Lesetja and many others, uh, the room to maybe make a bigger case uh, for getting our interest rates around, uh, you know, or real interest rates around zero or even in negative territory? Negative is not an easy one. As even though we've seen yesterday for the first time ever, we saw the UK, you know, uh, borrowing at negative rates. We know Japan and Europe are at that point. We know the U.S. is more of a no-no. But yes, we are right. We are, our inflation expectations are not a worrisome thing because, as you are saying, oil prices are at levels where are maintained. And if we take whatever the guys are saying, I mean, for, for instance, he said the economy is expected to fall by 7%. If that's true, a global economy continues to fall, then that tells you that even the cuts that we've seen coming from OPEC and ALIS mm-hmm. definitely won't be enough to keep oil prices at elevated level. Chances are oil prices will probably drop down below 30 then. As we, as we said, then that is not going to be a threat when it comes to inflation. Unless if there starts to be an uptick when it comes to oil prices, as we see governments starting to reopen the economies, then there will be more people trying to drive around and the demand will pick up. And the curve that we are talking about, the, the OPEC doesn't even have to extend it for the whole year, then probably that might be a threat to inflation. But as things stand, given that we don't expect the economies to grow, then it demand, demand won't be there. And chances are oil prices will still hover around the first dollars a barrel or so. And our inflation expectations should be okay because the biggest thing here is inflation expectation, inflation six months from today. Mm-hmm. Let's shift our attention from uh, central banking for a second here, Mark, and uh, take a look at uh, a presentation here by Andre Dureta, the CEO at uh, ESCOM. And uh, these are the guys who carry all of our fortunes when it comes to energy supply. And uh, we're saying a few things about their capital structure there and some of the targets they want uh, from a debt reduction perspective. They're sitting on, uh, you know, uh, just over 450 million rand uh, in debt and they're hoping to bring that uh, and slash that in uh, by more than half to bring it around 200 million rand or so. Uh, What do you think some of the things they have to do on the income statement side of things uh, would maybe help them to really navigate, uh, I guess, what is a, a difficult maze on the balance sheet side? I've got a bit of a, of a concern because he sounds like more somebody who's been briefed by the creditors that this is a no-no when mm. you start thinking about that. Because uh, truth be told, why should you wait for debt to mature before you renegotiate it? And the, the reason I'm asking that is that we're running in an environment, we just said about it, interest rates are very low internationally. And we even have countries where they've got negative interest rates. Is this not an opportune time for you to try to negotiate better terms? You don't have to wait for the for those that debt to mature and refine to mature and start refinancing at better rates. And uh, remember, that's my biggest problem. That go now and try to negotiate better terms. That will help you when it comes to saving, when it comes to debt servicing costs. Yes, it's a long-term thing to say he wants to have that. I think for me, he might as well not have said it because mm. it's a given. Anyone, whether it's a business or an individual, we all aim and strive to reduce our debt. 
So why should you come out and tell this my long-term goal? I think what was more important is to see how are they going to use their existing equity to to be I mean, more efficient. You know, commercially we've got this thing that we call a return on equity. Mm. But you're using the existing equity to make sure that you generate the maximum profit, you know. And now the guys, I don't think they even put an effort when it comes to that. So... For me, I would have liked to see something along those lines. And listen, it's an old way of doing things that will reduce costs, retrench people. Mm-hmm. I think we can be more creative around that. It doesn't even have to just boil down to cutting heads. But you as executive, what is it that you'll be doing to make sure, I mean, that you're using your existing aid, uh, equity to be more efficient? So uh, for me, it was like, yeah, one of those things I have to tick the box. I've been quiet for quite some time. I'm expected to say something. Let's mm. go for the presentation. Because I, I failed. Maybe there was something, but personally I failed to see anything out of all that thing that was more creative, anything that was more inspiring. I mean, you can tell me that you've got a long-term goal to reduce your debt. That's a given. Ish, ish, ish. Mark West says, uh, you know, don't don't tell us what we know already. Don't, don't, don't tell us what you should be doing already and uh, what... You can uh, play the fish for streaming. Yeah, man, you know. Um, Makwe, let's take a look here at uh, Discovery saying that on average, uh, the hospital admissions of some of their clients for COVID-19 are costing them around 85,000 rand. Uh, but uh, also saying on the top end of things, they've got uh, a client who's in hospital now and uh, their costs have uh, hovered around the 800,000 rand mark. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing. Oh, sorry about that. That was mind-blowing, Makwe. Yeah, that was very scary. That was very scary, especially the one at the top end and the guys who are on ventilators. It mm. just shows how expensive these things can be. But yeah, and now you ask yourself that someone who doesn't have medical cover, <laughs> how are they going to survive? Will our public hospital be able to help out? But yes, they're also saving discovery on the fact that, I mean, they don't have lot of normal hospital claims. Mm. We've seen them. I mean, people are no longer going to hospital. We've seen that people have deferred what they call the uh, voluntary or what you call it, the uh, what is this nice word that you guys use, you know? People just go for surgery for the sake of doing Exactly. Yes, yes. So there's some bit of saving, but unfortunately, that saving is not sufficient, you know, to be able to cover the cost that the guys will, of the claims that the guys will be facing when it comes to COVID-19. But I think discoveries are being alarmist in the sense that who said whoever who's on the scheme gets to be maybe a, a confirmed case with end up in hospital because we know people have been managing just to recover, just being at home, taking whatever medications that they need to take. Mm. So it does not necessarily mean that their members will end up going to hospital. And yeah, we know that ICU and ventilation, the costs vary, but that does not necessarily mean that they will all end up in the hospital. And I think that preparing themselves, I might be wrong, We've seen people trying to raise capital, you know, from your Mr. Price to your Richmond selling bonds. I won't be surprised if the guys they say, you know what, I think maybe we have to try to sell some bonds or raise some debt mm-hmm. or maybe have some rights issue in case, you know, the situation worsens, then we know that we've got a nice buffer. I might be wrong, but everybody's trying to raise cash wherever they are and uh, wherever they can. And I think it's more of a clever move instead of waiting for the last minute. We don't want to end up being a land bank 
waiting to default Eish. before you start trying to sort out the issues. Yo, yo, yo. I mean, uh, the less said about that situation, I guess, the better. I think we had an interesting chat yesterday with the um, uh, a chairperson of the Standing Committee on Appropriations uh, just on that uh, uh, issue. And I think a lot could have been done before the situation <laughs> got, uh, uh, got to that level. I mean, talking about... I guess, uh, strategic exits and renegotiations. Uh, Grand Parade Investments. Now, uh, I guess, Mark, it might be helpful to give some context here to uh, some of our listeners as to who Grand Parade Investments is and some of their more notable brands, uh, one of which include Burger King. Now, they bought Burger King for about 700 million rand, uh, or the license to Burger King for about 700 million rand a few years ago. And it seems that that didn't go too well, and uh, they're now selling it uh, to a private equity outfit. But uh, let's talk about how COVID-19 has impacted the deal that was on the table and uh, how that has really changed some of the terms there? <laughs> I think you see, those private equity guys were very clever. I mean, then when they were negotiating the deal December, I think that's when it, it was announced mm. that the guys will be buying uh, a beggar key and we know it's been loss-making for, for, for Grand Parade and we know this is not the first one that's trying to move out of your foot. I mean, they sold their 10% stake in spare, you know, to try also to repay some of their debt. But before this valuation was done, around December or so, things were looking okay. Economies were expected to recover. We were all looking forward to see China and the U.S. signing their first trade, their first one trade deal, so that the economies can be back or where they're supposed to be. So, meaning consumer demand was going to be there. And we know that our economy is one of those that is 50% driven by consumer demand. But things have changed, you know. We don't expect economies to grow. Where is your reserve bank making some Focus or IMF, everyone is saying economies are just still going to take time to recover. So it makes sense for the guys to revisit the enterprise value. Mm. And I think they are very clever to use that, you know, instead of using your equity uh, or your market cap, because your enterprise value takes into cognizance your long term and also your short term debt. Just not just uh, uh, equity, I mean, what do you call it, value to equity shareholders. And for me, that gives a clear picture of a value of a company. So the long and short, the guys don't expect to see the sector doing well. So why should they be paying whatever that they are guaranteed to pay earlier on? It only makes sense to try to renegotiate it down. It's not only them. Mm. You know the story with Tonga and Balo as yes, well. Yes. When it comes to selling that such business, that ah, uh, uh, wait a second, we don't think mm. now this will be working okay going forward. So anyone, I think, with cash, they're in a better position to renegotiate whatever that they've been mm. intending to buy because the forecast should have changed. So, Mark, I mean, you know, if you're sitting on the private equity side of this deal, you, there's a big prospect here that you're going to be able to get this asset at a fire sale and. Uh, you know, get it for really cheap in the context of what's happening. But uh, the big issue is, you know, would you walk away from that deal feeling like you've won something? Or would you walk out of that deal a bit more cautious? Because you know, yes, you might have this asset now, but um, the operating environment within which it, it, it's going to have to uh, operate in the marketplace is fundamentally different to anything that we've seen before. At a higher price, then I'll feel that I've lost out mm. if I still have to pay a higher price, as you said, because my focus, my projections have changed. I don't expect it to break even or to make that case that I thought I'll make before. But if then to make up for that, 
that listen, your focus has to change, your earnings will be much lesser, then obviously then I have to pay a lesser price. So that way then I'll feel that at least I've not been shortchanged. So hence maybe the guys are renegotiating that, listen guys, we can no longer pay you X amount, we just have to pay you X less whatever because, listen, you're not going to be making the next two years, three years, we'll be struggling, and this is reality. I mean, if you are not the ones who are coming with focus globally, everybody's saying the world economy is still going to struggle a little bit. Mm. So it depends. At a lower price, then you're okay because you're compensating for your future earnings. At a higher price with not too good future earnings, then I don't think it will be a good deal for you as a private mm. investor. Tough times indeed ahead for Grand Parade Investments and uh, I guess uh, Burger King and uh, it might mean that uh, your closest one uh, operates or it doesn't uh, or it ceases to operate or might operate in a different form or basis. Uh, Makwe Maselela, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us.